Welcome to Girl Flower Podcast with Vic and Jess. We will be having conversations and inspirational chinwags with florists and growers to keep you company in your workspaces, in the car, over a cuppa or wherever you like to listen. We hope to help you along on your own floral journey. Today we are in conversation with Elaine Graham of Pesh Flowers. Elaine is a studio-based florist in South East London. Unfortunately, I was unable to make our recording again, so Jess is running solo for a second week. Now, I promise I won't be making a habit of this, but school germs are running rampant this end. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy the episode, and thank you so much to Elaine for popping onto the pod. Start at the beginning then. Tell us, was there life before floristry, and how did you get into floristry? Not really. Um, to be honest, I left school, and my intention was to go to um, Southwark College to study floristry. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a phone call from one of my, I think it was my science teacher actually phoned me and said, you are wasting your exam results. You've got really good grades. Uh, you need to go to do A-levels. You should be doing pediatric nursing or blah, blah, blah. So I changed and I signed up and went to um, sixth form college, went on holiday. Um, and just during the course of the holiday, like over that summer, I just thought, you know, what? I really just don't want to do that. I've always been interested in flowers, I've always been making things at home, mm. um, picking flowers. So I re-enrolled, went to Southwark College, um, and I kind of followed it through to as far as you can get in the UK, because I just thought, well, while I'm in that mindset of learning and I'm not earning money, um, I'll just go through that whole college process. So I did two years full-time, and then I went up to sort of the diploma, which doesn't exist anymore, the National Society. Yeah. So I got an NDSF and got the highest grades in the UK for my exams for that, which we had to go to nottingham university and i've got letters after my name which mean nothing to anybody um it, it doesn't count that's as amazing degree, degree level but it doesn't count as a degree so that was my kind of background so i've done all the kind of the um the very awful line bouquets with carnations i've done that um old school learning but i had very good tutors which uh, were very aware that you needed speed and you needed to be adaptable so they would show you how you should make it and how you will probably make it when you go out into the workplace so I was I was lucky that's amazing so you've come into it the proper old-fashioned way right yeah not many people do it like that anymore probably you know if I was to start again I probably wouldn't go down that route and don't always suggest to new florists that contact me to do do it necessarily that way because Mm. I think it depends on who teaches you now as to what you get from it and you don't want to learn a year's worth of stuff that's no good when you go out and sort of go to work for someone so I think it's uh, yeah it's all changing as well isn't it the way that things used to be done with yeah exactly it was very sort of very um Dutch masters led when I was there so all of our I used to go to Birmingham do competitions that um the Birmingham NEC and things like that but it was very much kind of inspired by your kind of Gregor Lurch and those Mm. kind of um designs which is not really it's still very popular but it's not really how I think British floristry is is going anymore yeah yeah absolutely and so after you were or maybe even while you were doing your your um study did you always want to kind of be your own boss or did you did you work for other people first I worked I worked for a few people first so I was lucky when I was studying I had a Saturday job which then turned into me managing the shop for a little while so that gave me a bit of experience of that um, and that was in Crystal Palace. Um, so then after that, I thought I really needed to go and do London for a while. So I went and uh, worked um, in a shop in London in Victoria for about a year. And then thought this really isn't 
for me, again, it was a completely opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of designing. I think I had a bit more freedom mm. at the other shop and this was very kind of rigid and formal. Um, so yeah, decided to, I kept going past Pesh Flowers. I used to, that was my journey to school. Uh, you know, I so loved it, loved the shop. And I've, I did contact um, Jude that owned the shop before, before I went to Victoria and she didn't have any spaces. So then I contacted her again and she's like, come in and I chatted to her and I went to work. I think I worked for her for four years and then the opportunity to come up to take over the shop. Wow. And how old were you when you took it on? 22. <gasps> wow. <laughs> a, bit, a bit mad. Yeah. It was all sort of done very, she didn't really want a big kind of um, leaving and, you know, departing moment. So it was very kind of secretively done. So it was all of a sudden I was at the flower market and it was like, right, okay, you're buying for Pesh. And I'm like, well, no, I, that is me now. So it was just wow. very, yeah, very sort of quick. And what kind of size was that shop? Like, um, it, was, it was a big, for a florist shop, it's a very big shop. So it was six, I think it's 1600 square foot, I think. Okay. Uh, quite a big space. So it was, yeah, and very quirky. It's three buildings joined together. Okay. Kind of up and down and it had um, antique furniture in it and old um, boat portal windows and things like that and old school doors. So it was a very unique, I mean, the, it's, it's very fondly remembered, it still is by a lot of the customers still kind of every time they ring up they're like I wish you were here again oh yeah. did you keep it like that did you keep it with quirky bits as yeah, well as the flowers it because that was what I loved about it and I think that was the u- uniqueness of the shop it wasn't mm. we didn't kind of try and strip it back and put um you know horrible neon lights everywhere it was very kind of I suppose sort of rustic charm Oh, lovely. Shop, so very unique, yeah. We, I mean, it got used for um, TV adverts and stuff like that quite a lot because it was quite quite unusual. So we'd all have to bundle into the corner while they were taking over half the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and so how many years did you have the shop for? Um, 16, just going almost 17 years. Wow, wow. Yes, I lived out sort of my, my, my middle youth in that, uh, in that shop, yes. Oh, but I bet, you know, being in London and trips to the market and everything. Yeah, being... I, I, I love that. And I, I do miss the old, I mean, the new market's lovely, but I do miss the old market. The vibe of there was quite unique. Um, yeah, a lot of people say that. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of characters and stuff that sort of, you know, as time goes on, sort of disappear. I mean, it's lovely. I do like the new one, but I think it was much more of a social space. The way it was yeah. I never visited the the old market at all and I'm gutted now when I hear stories of it I think it was probably quite intimidating I was going up there when I worked for the first shop I worked for in Crystal Palace I was about 15 16 so I used to go up with the owner um and they give a lot of banter and as a 15 16 year old you've got to be able to hold your own so it's um you get used to it you know a lot of that I just sort of swat off the comments it's part of part of the charm of it really it's a bit of like um what do they call it all kind of tongue-in-cheek and yes yeah, yeah it's yeah fine. baptism of fire like if you can't cope with it then yeah. you'd, you'd be out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> make you blush then that just gives them even more reason to keep trying so yeah <laughs> toughen up quickly and um so when you had the shop and you were going to market were you um were you interested or was there available all the british flowers then from the market there was a lot then yeah it wasn't really marketed it was almost um I wouldn't say looked down upon but it wasn't a thing that you'd promote it was a big thing to put Dutch tulips on your bunch of tulips you know people wanted that mm. and stuff it was always seen as a cheaper alternative and a 
sort of less expensive, which is madness now because it's yeah. like, give anything to swap it back around to how it was. I remember going on to um, George on when he had Good Childs and all the green coats and the very kind of formal, you know, sort of old salesman style. And they used to have boxes and boxes of toad lilies and boxes and boxes of all these like unusual sort of black iris and things that you just really can't get unless you get like little small quantities coming in from growers. And okay. that that was all British back then? British and it was all stacked up. You had to kind of turn sideways to get through the stacks and it was all up sort of past head height. Just, you know, buying huge volumes. The shop was really busy. So you just used to buy boxes and boxes of stuff. It was like wow. two, two Ford van loads pretty much almost every day. Gosh. It was mental. As much as I thought I'd got enough to last me a day, without fail, I'd have to go the next day. That's amazing. That's amazing. In your time on the on the on the high street, did you notice um a decline in it or was it always really good for you? It, we were we're lucky we're a really busy shop and we covered a really big area and had a mm. big customer base. And if people moved away they'd still contact us to send, you know, they pay 20 or 30 quid in the cab fare without thinking about it just to get a bunch of flowers into central London rather than use someone else. Um, so we were lucky with that um, and lots of stylists and things sort of used to use the shop so you get a lot of contacts but it definitely declined. Um, mm. I hate to say the sort of the September 11th thing made a big difference when it was sort of corporations stopped having as much stuff they didn't send out as much they weren't as extravagant at Christmas sending out to all their clients, that kind mm. of started to trickle in a little bit. So it is, and then I think just with supermarkets and convenience, and I suppose our customer base as well, a lot of our regular buy flowers once a week were doing it because they were walking past on the way to drop their kids to school. And as their kids left school, there's less reason to come down to the high street when there's no parking and. Yeah. Well. And then maybe, and then maybe, you know, saying with supermarkets, maybe yeah. then like newer customers yeah. get more into the habit of, buying it with their weekly yeah. shopping don't they it was just convenient so it was it, people used us for the occasions but less for the sort of day to day but yeah. I have, the last couple of years that I had the shop what I noticed was a massive surge in houseplants massive we actually flipped our shop round at one point and had the biggest section where normally there'd be flowers was all houseplants no way it was like huge it's one whole part of the shop and that was every Saturday it was loads and loads of sort of really young students new flats and they would just every week be buying house plants it's mad it's amazing how it changed so what what year was that so when did you sh- when did you shut the shop about three years ago so sort okay. of about five years ago I, like the, the plant thing really took off which is good yeah. in a sense because um keeping a shop of that size stopped and people expect to see that volume all the time um yeah it's tricky when it's quieter so having the plants which had a better shelf life yeah to still keep the shop looking full and yeah but they don't come back well unless you they become plant obsessed they don't come back every week no, for more and more plants exactly. yeah you don't get as many sales but yeah no it's, it's it just it ch- definitely changed the parking as well as soon as you start getting a bus lane outside and you no know, sort of by the time they get to the nearest parking spot they're at the next section of um you know it's another florist there's yeah. another knowledge or another one you know sort of down the road so yeah, yeah. It was was that kind of one of the your one of the deciding factors in going studio based. It was a cumulative. It was a lot of things. Um, I think having the twins um, and missing out on a lot of things with them because I was working so much mm. definitely a, a major factor. I didn't do their sort of Mother's Day 
tea at school because I just couldn't. Um, and I had, a, when I first started the shop, we had an amazing team, really, really great team. And they were kind of, we were all in it together. It wasn't just my business. They all wanted to succeed and we sort of had a, a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Um, and as kind of people's sort of life situation changed and they sort of moved away, I think losing that kind of real bond mm. with everybody, because um, managing people is tough. Um, that's, that's sort of one of the things you kind of, I go into it because I love flowers and end up being a, you know, business admin and, you know, personal assistant to all these other people and all dealing with all of that. So, um, yeah, I think the fact that the shop was getting quieter um, meant that I didn't need that volume of space anymore. Mm. Um, so my initial thought was to relocate, but I wanted to stay in the area if I could. So I was looking for smaller properties, but just, it's just outpriced. The high street was just, you know, you can't get square footage anymore from anywhere and still no. make the profit. And particularly yeah. power prices going up it was just so and I think um it was just getting to I, I don't know if you I wouldn't say I was getting bored of it but I just wanted a new challenge I wanted to be able to kind of go down the route of the style of floristry I liked more without having to have sort of different sections of the shop to fit different criteria for people so I often felt at the front of the shop was to catch the people in the high street what we were turning out for telephone orders was our sort of style because people were phoning for that. So it's kind of trying to mm. manage almost three different businesses all at once. Yeah, because you've got it in sections on your website, haven't you? That, you know, you've got yeah. your weddings and um, bouquet delivery. So it's it still feels like, although you're not a retail shop, it still feels like you've, yeah. you've, you've created your website like a retail shop. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was potentially at the beginning was a fear because um, giving that up and having that kind of going in and now you've got some money coming in um, mm. and then all of a sudden just going right we're disappearing and thinking will people still use us so I think I wanted to kind of make sure I kept that general day-to-day -day delivery bit up at the start. Um, yeah how did you keep that going in that transitional bit then did you have a, a long time of telling people you were you were shutting and trying to keep business going? Not as long as I should have done I think because we um I ended it at my end my lease was sort of end of April so I wanted to sort of have a nice clean line and end there rather than sort of roll over um so we had Valentine's Day and Mother's Day in between and I just thought I can't deal with being that busy and deal with all of people's yeah. questions so I kind of waited till after which was probably a mistake because we sort of did it quite quickly in the sort of change around mm. um, in hindsight, I would have given people more notice because they might not always be your sort of regulars. They might not come in until two, you know, two or three times a year. So I think we should have done a little bit more. But to be fair, we've kept the number mm -hmm. um, and people still phone up and go, I'm just going to pop down, even from King's College Hospital up the road. I'm just going to pop down in half an hour. Can I collect something? I'm like, yeah, I've not been there for three years. So, oh. you know, so we still get the phone calls, but obviously some people are still finding out that the, the shop's not there. Yeah, you just have to do it in a different way, don't you? You and I suppose you can still fulfil people's orders, but they can't come in and collect. You just deliver. More often than not, I can still do the same day. I do try and uh, word it that it needs to be next day to give me a bit of, you know, sort of planning time. But yeah, generally we can do same day delivery. If we've got flowers in stock, we'll still do it. So it's no different, really. It's just yeah, just no physical shop. Exactly. You can't come around and just pick and choose like you used to be able to. Yeah. It's it's so common though, isn't it, for florist shops to disappear and people yeah. think that you've just gone, but you're not. You, you know, it's just high street prices, flower prices. You can't have that wastage anymore, can you? It's you and that, that was a learning curve as well, because I was so used to buying and just knowing that at some point it would 
you know, we'd get the orders in and the flowers would go. So it's kind of re-educating my brain not to yeah. you know, that in every colour that is available in and just kind of try and focus in on a sort of a colour scheme and sort of say, this is what we've got. Yeah. 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 Generally people, I mean, our customers are sort of, like, they're used to our flowers. They just sort of trust you to, to do something, which is nice. So I like that the way that you are very um, pro British flowers and sustainability. And, you know, that is definitely the future of floristry. But it yeah. seems like that was even on your mind right back in yeah. shop days. Yeah, always. I'd really like, I mean, I, I started sort of use loads of foliage before it was a thing to use lots of greenery. Um, you know, it was the sort of eucalyptus salau and leather leaf was a florist standard if you had a florist shop. And we used to use all sorts of bits and pieces. And I was always cutting bits out of my garden. Yeah. So it was, and that kind of brought the uniqueness so that people would recognize your bunch of flowers when you're knocking on someone's doorstep. They go, oh, you're from Pesh. So they sort of recognize that style. Um, yeah, so British, British has always been important to me. I think you get all the unusual bits. Yeah, you definitely do. Seeing a different color or a different variety or a shade of rose that I hadn't seen before. And I would always buy that rather than the, which is why I didn't like central London, sort of me personally where I was, because it was the same variety of pink rose week after week after week. And there's just no joy in that. It just, it becomes mm. stale. So I love going, and that's why I love buying as well. And I think you have to physically go and see the flowers. Yeah, and yeah. and smell them as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just a big fisher. I, I, I do buy a bit through um, sort of Dutch websites, but I just find it less interesting and soulless and... I think you're yeah. buying from the people as much as you know I go up and sort of find out what they've done at the weekend as much as the flowers themselves it's it's all of that it's yeah and your style definitely reflects that because you're um I was just noting down here that you're, you're you've got this lovely romantic style and your Instagram is most definitely your portfolio isn't it that you show people and you've got this lovely mix of photos that I'm assuming you've taken yourself but then mixed in with um like all the professional photographers and it just blends so nicely yeah I would love to be um good enough at waiting for all the professional pictures but I just can't sometimes I just want to share share the pictures so I'm sort of trying to sort of you know rein myself in a little bit more I did um I did uh, Rona's course for Instagram. Just yes. like someone needs to tell me what, to, you know, to stop. So sometimes you just need to stop. You don't have to post everything all at once. Um, so I'm just trying to post more consciously. Yeah. I did her course as well over, over lockdown. I found it really, really useful yeah, because is. before I was putting a whole load of crap yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of think you don't have to tell the whole story all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm still not good enough to kind of, rain it back in and I'm trying to do it more in color blocks I noticed that I noticed that so you're you're winning yeah Yeah. just like okay so just because this wedding was a different color to this wedding and they're two weeks apart doesn't mean they both have to go on the grid at the same time yeah I'm kind of trying to to be a bit more conscious of that yeah you're you're right it's very difficult to hold yourself back isn't it especially when you've done the most amazing wedding and you just want to post it and then you realize you've got nothing to post the week after yeah Yeah. (laughs) that and just the fact that because I'm not um, just one colour palette, I tend to sort of, I work very much with couples about what they want and their location mm. and the time of year. So that there's, lo- there's lots of colour going on sometimes. And that's, you know, it's quite hard not to have it just look like a 
paint explosion. Oh, but that's nice because then it'll then it will feed back into your dusky pink colours, yeah. won't it? And then you've got a lovely autumnal patch, like yeah. just a bit yeah. down your grid. It's lovely. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, and I think it's nice for people to see that you can do whatever they want rather than just sort of. I know sometimes it's nice to pick a florist because you like that particular style, but I will sort of adapt and blend my styling with their taste as well. Yeah. So you, when you started the shop, were probably completely pre-Instagram and website and social media not really a thing I think we had the domain name held but that was just it was just a held name um yeah there was no nothing like that really gosh so I wonder how if you were to do that how it would work now you know if you had a shop now and you were thinking about going studio based do you think that's kind of impossible to do without social media I don't know if you could have done it as as well because you'd have to spend so much money on advertising in other ways and people don't look at that now I mean you sort of you know your no. yellow pages and it just doesn't exist you know if you were to no think. it doesn't does it god so there was nothing like that it yeah. wasn't word of mouth and you know you've got a lucky enough that I bought a very sort of well-known business and sort of managed to, to keep it going in that sort of in that right path yeah yeah, I love the I love the name, and I was thinking, I wonder what Pesh flowers means. Yeah. So I googled <laughs> Pesh, and it says on the Urban Dictionary, it means extremely drunk. <laughs> That's probably right then, if it's about. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, it was the previous owner. It was her sister's nickname for her, and they started the shop together originally. So it just it just sort of stuck. So people think there's all these like really uh, either a misspell or posh flowers, or but yeah, no, there's um, it was just a, a sort of catchy name. What was her actual name to be nicknamed to Pesh? She's called Jude. Um, Jude, so it's not like it's short for Patricia or anything. Yeah, had absolutely no. I couldn't figure out ever why there was this nickname, but yeah, the name was there. Maybe it's because she was extremely drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think it helps sometimes to get through, particularly this year. It's helped helped to get through this summer. Yeah, absolutely. So. You went studio base and yeah. everything, you know, picked up, went really well. You've got weddings yeah. um, and bouquet orders and everything yeah. as normal. Well, lockdown was interesting because um, we found our deliveries went up massively. Obviously, the weddings kind of pretty much stopped. Um, but we were sending out more and more deliveries because people weren't able to see loved ones for their birthday or get wells or, you know, yeah. anniversaries. So we were sending out a lot more flowers. I was actually, I went from working at my studio, which is actually in my mum and dad's um, back garden, to working in my shed in my back garden and homeschooling the twins. But yeah, it was uh, it was just a different. And then as soon as things started to open back up, the deliveries kind of settled down again. And then the weddings kind of just picked yeah. up. Yeah. I bet you were thankful. Oh, well, actually, were you? Were you thankful for all those extra deliveries or were you cursing them? <laughs> it was lovely to be able to still feel like you can do something because I think like everyone else you sort of saw that news report and saying we were locked in for two weeks and I think I was crying at that and that was just the first two weeks thinking what am I going to do for two weeks and you know and then it sort of carried on and carried on and no one knew it was going to go on for that long so I was lucky that we kind of had that base that people knew they could have deliveries because I know a lot of florists turned from the events floristry mm. turned into doing um, deliveries just to, to be proactive and keep some income coming in. So we were yeah. kind of, we've already had that base. Yeah, it was, it was good timing actually, wasn't yeah. it? That you'd kind of got yeah. established That's doing what, that. The shop, you know, not having the shop to worry about during lockdown and 
having all the sort of staff and all of that to worry mm. about that's a lot of responsibility to mm. have that on your shoulders do you still have staff have have team members or do you or are you now just with freelancers um I well, my mum helps me load so I couldn't yeah. do it without her yes for childcare and and at work you know she's sort of scurrying around me with a broom all the time and sort of keeping me keeping me in check um but yeah no it's, it's family and a great team of freelancers there's a few this year that I've never worked with before who've literally saved my bacon more than more than I can mention we've had so many weddings mm. where you just can't I've got last year's sort of ones that have all been postponed and then not wanting to say no to this year's work so I don't mm. lose that another year's work so I've ended up kind of on paper it was all fine sitting in my kitchen going yes in March yes I can do yes 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 to everything and then kind of going oh my god how am I going to be in four places in London at the same time um so yeah, yeah brilliant. really really lovely and it's been that just the whole um the whole community is is different to how it was when I had the shop it was very secretive and you didn't tell anyone anything you were doing or what you were charging or, you know, what you paid for something. And now it's very much an open book, which I think is lovely. Yeah. And especially after the last kind of two years or 18 months, whatever it's been, it's it feels more like we're all in it together yeah. because we've all had the same, um, you know, complete yeah. shock, whether you're growing or it's you have a shop. That, or that's ground level, hasn't it? Matter, yeah. Who you are, however sort of high end florist or local shop we're all literally grounded and also especially the last four months has been busier for weddings than ever ever before it's been quite a challenge I had I literally I haven't seen most of my family for the whole I literally what's happened this year I haven't seen anybody I haven't seen friends since Easter where every sort of waking minute is either planning for a wedding talking to people about the weddings that they want for next year and trying to get quotes out while still yeah. you know, delivering the flowers and setting yeah. Because you're right, it has been the the last year's weddings that got postponed. It's been yeah. the this year's weddings. And I also think, I don't know if you found it as well, but there have been so many people that are kind of like going, oh, well, if we quickly hurry up and have a wedding now, we can do it with smaller numbers and we're not going to offend anybody. Because if they... Loads of extra little ones added in as we're sort of yeah. going on. I'm still, I think... At the start of July, I think I had something like 49 weddings booked in. And then we've had all these kind of little ones sort of popping up. Um, in fact, I had a phone call yesterday for someone who's getting married on Wednesday. Very small wedding, but it is just those kind of little bursts of extra yeah. thrown in. So, yes, it's in, and all the way through till New Year's Eve, actually. I think the day before is my last one. Oh, my God, I was going to say to you, is it calming down? But it's obviously not, is it? No, I think I've pretty much got a wedding every weekend from now till December which is, yeah, it's a lot. Oh, my goodness. And then you're going to take a couple of weeks off? Possibly, yes. <laughs> you, you plan it, don't you? And then you get this really cool job and you're like, oh, oh, no, I want to do that now. So, yeah, it's hard to say no when it's interesting work. Oh, my goodness. And you also, you do workshops as well, like yeah. a lot of florists do. So you do the Christmas wreath workshops and Easter workshops. Yeah. And um, but I noticed you also do kind of like some classes, uh, you know, yeah. like one-on-one workshops as well. Yeah. Yeah. How important, let's talk, uh, I don't know whether we should just talk generally or pre-pandemic, but how important is it, do you think, for florists now to run workshops? Like how much of your business is taken up by workshops? Um, for me, not not as much as I possibly could. I think just for time factor. I think mm. trying to schedule them in and then potentially turning down a big wedding at the same time is is a 
you know, it's a gamble, you've got to pick a date and you've got to stick to it. Um, and also having some, making sure I have got some time carved out for families. My boys remember what I look like. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this year I'm just doing one wreath workshop and one private one. I think I've got a, a hen party workshop for Christmas wreath, one at someone's house and then one that we're running in a local pub. Um, when I had the shop, we used to have a massive workspace at the back. So we just used to, that was initially why I started it, was to make the space pay for itself again. Mm. So, yeah, less important than when I had the shop. Um, I do think it's really nice to share the knowledge. And I think a lot of my um, return uh, clients come back year after year to mm. make a wreath. They're like, you know how to do this now. They're just like, they just love the experience of it and the sort of social aspect of it. Um, yeah, so I find that, yeah. It's just for a chat and a glass of mulled wine. And I, I do make a lot of cake. So they do <laughs> nice cakes. It's always sort of flower-inspired cakes that sort of go along with the... Uh, I grow lemon verbena for the pure fact of having a lemon drizzle cake with that in it. So, um, oh, that sounds yeah. great. <laughs> the cake. Um, but yeah, last year was amazing. The um, couldn't do the workshops, obviously. I didn't want to, you know, book in a space, pay for that, and then not be able to run them. Mm. So, we did it all by Zoom, um, which was crazy busy. We had two really busy classes for us, but we for corporate clients, um, for Lick Paint, and I think for Heinz. Um, whiskey and things like that we just did classes and we were sending wreath kits out to Paris and Ireland and America and having all these people like international zoom classes that we were running so it was really it was and it's something that probably will never happen again in that how way. did you find they all did doing it on zoom because you're obviously not there to help them oh, put it, like fix it yeah it was just sort of planning we just kind of had two cameras so we had like dual cameras so we had the sort of face camera so you could see the demonstrations then one focused on like the hands and it's just sort of taking steps. The only thing we found difficult is if people, because it was supposed to be their replacement Christmas party because they couldn't have it, is where they were trying to have that kind of social interaction amongst themselves. And you sort of almost like being school teacher going, here, here, now listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, really well, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was it was quite quite a unique. Again, I don't think that, that sort of situation will happen ever again. But yeah, it was, it was just... Well, let's hope not. Yeah, definitely. We're done with that now. We're yeah, a... yeah, completely. But how brilliant, like adapting. Yeah. Every, everything has been adapted in all yes. of these I, businesses. I, I love that about the small businesses and local, you know, having pizza companies that normally go to festivals, delivering like home, make your own pizza boxes to your front door and doing that with my kids. I love the fact that people were just straight on it and doing what they could. Yeah. It was just, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. The one-to-one workshops and things like that are a little easier because you can sort of socially distance. So they they sort of, as as soon as we were allowed to, they sort of started back up. But they're in our studio. Mm -hmm. So they can't come to get to hide away in the back of the garden in my purpose-built. It was all, actually, it was built with, um, my husband built it with um, a friend of ours, Peter, who runs um, Solo Wood in Croydon, which is all recycled wood. So the whole, oh, wow. the whole studio, I think is like 96% of it is reclaimed. I've got old school floorboards, our windows, the French doors turned sideways. Oh, because some of your backgrounds, yeah. hmm. some of your backgrounds in your photographs are all kind of real textured old wood. So that's really what it looks like. It, it is pretty much that, yeah. So it's kind of hidden away and I've got my little compost heap, my green waste and all the water goes thrown out into the cutting garden. And it's, you know, when oh. you sort of think, it's a bit like the good life and then the fact that I can go drop my kids to school and pick them up most days mm. unless I'm sort of you know full-on wedding mode it's 
it's made a big difference life balance it sounds like that's a good balance and even in busy times you're still kind of just at the end of the garden exactly yeah so if if they do have summer holidays if they do have to come to work with me they're literally playing in their nan's garden you know they've got their little tree house and they sort of mess around and come and make flowers with me but then they don't feel like they're at work it's not so it's yeah. a much nicer situation for them to be in as well and I'm oh, yeah yeah sounds like you've got it I can't imagine how it, how you'd cope if you were you know on the high street in London because what do you do with two seven-year-old boys who yeah. are going to go yeah. running there's a, yeah there's a limit to them running around the shop that you can tolerate <laughs> it's just like enough now yeah yeah absolutely so you say you've got your cutting garden so have you always grown or is this just a, is a new thing I, I remember being really young with my dad sort of planting things and making little gardens and sort of making decorations and doing you know the mini sort of bringing like a mini garden indoors and sort of planting things and all of that um I went to a Catholic school as well so we used to have to do like Easter gardens and put the cross and all of that so that's kind of just in me naturally um so I've always loved planting things and cutting flowers even if it was just picking petals and crushing them to make pretend perfume yeah um, yeah and I love I love growing flowers it's really it's yeah the last the last few years it's really taken off it's not a huge amount it's not enough that I could use that and only that but what I love is when the brides come up to see me and we're in the studio I sort of show them bits of pieces that are growing and I know that when I'm making their bouquet there'll be like two things that I'll go maybe and cut just that just kind of bend and twist like nothing else it's just it just sort of adds adds to the charm and the fact that they know that they've seen where it's been growing when they've come to see me months before is lovely that's the lovely thing as, as we spoke about earlier with British flowers and especially when it's from your own garden it's those little individual bits and um and especially when it comes to your own cutting garden you could it's that lovely personal touch those things you wouldn't have on your list to get and you just go out there and you go actually that color just makes it pop or that sort of bendy bit of jasmine cut off the wall or whatever yeah I mean, gross. yeah herbs and things like that and scented lemon geraniums and all that kind of thing yeah. nice it's when you look at that bouquet and you go oh if only it had that little bit of twisty there and you go outside and go oh there you are yeah, <laughs> well you feel it in the winter when there's not so much around that's where the sort of berries and yeah dried grass and things come in because you need that texture again rather than it just being all too uniform and you mm. see so many florists that are trying to do that kind of wild style but still all their little vases are all very one of those two of those and whereas it just needs to be natural it just needs to be what comes and you know yeah just yeah different each one so during the winter season then where what flowers do you what flowers are you able to um to get then or do you then have to revert back to whatever you can get it, it, is a, it is an element of that. Yeah, it depends on the on the request. Obviously, a mm. lot of foliage, um, particularly when it comes up to Christmas, which is not a problem, sort of lots of berries and rose hips and, and foliages. But flowers, uh, the florist season is, is very much like um, fashion and everything else. We're all sort of a few months ahead of where we should be. Mm. So spring flowers, I went away for a few days in October and I came back and it was full on spring at the market. They've sort of got um, bulbs coming in from the Isle of Scilly and, you know, ranunculus and, and enemies are all starting again. They're all imported. Mm. But yeah, we're sort of, so you kind of, it's trying to keep it looking wintry, but it's having that element of the next season as well. Yeah. And still, and like you say, trying to find flowers that aren't too uniform, perfect. Yeah. It's a straight banana syndrome, isn't it? It's, it's, 
they they want us to have straight bananas or we just want them however they come as long as they taste good it's that in flowers yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely so with being um doing all your post out bouquets and and uh or delivery bouquets and, and, and all the all the weddings and all the work that you do that that's kind of very similar to um to being a high street florist as well so what basically through my stuttering I think I'm trying to ask what advice you would give to other florists that want to use more British because you obviously haven't found that it's um, affected your business in any way and yes you know no one can be a hundred well no one it's difficult to be a hundred percent British I think it is if you're doing work in volumes if you're doing sort of small bespoke weddings and you haven't got that many of them, I think you can you can pretty much succeed in using 100% British flowers. But I think mm. in terms of volume, when you've got 16, 20 plus table arrangements, and you know you need that volume of yeah. material, you just can't do it 100%. In the summer, I think it's a lot easier. Obviously, there's a lot more around. Um, mm. The mixture of using homegrown, local grown flowers, um, and through the flower markets, they stock quite a lot of British flowers, mm. and that is going up and up every year it's going back to how it was years ago where there's a lot more demand for it so I think it's possible I think you just need to keep keep, like keep your contacts you know you need to sort of make contacts with people that sort of because there isn't a lot of it so you have to have the good relationship with your wholesalers so I can message them at one o'clock in the morning um, and say right I'm on my way in a couple of hours can you keep me x y and z in these colors you're going to get your name on the list and, and not be going turn up and there's nothing left and you also haven't found any problems then with using sustainable packaging and things like that you know you obviously do it it's out there it's just just, you know it's just sourcing it it may not be the easiest thing to find straight away um and I think it's again I was not taught in that respect you know I I did my sort of history of flourish so I know that the Egyptians used sand and sticks to use in vases and things like that so it's kind of going back to that Mm. um but it's, it's easily easily done. I think there's enough resources out there to find if you want to find it. And I think pretty much you can adapt almost anything or just don't offer that, mm. that design, you know, change the design rather than say that I can't do it without using foam or just change your designs. Um, I did a course with Sabine, um, the sort of just, and, you know, she's a fountain of knowledge. Uh, you've got brilliant sort of um, mechanic, garden mechanics books. There's, there's loads around. And if I go back, I've got, st- my, actually my mum hates me because they're in her house. I've got a stack of floristry books that used to be my kind of, um, my vice before gin. Um, yeah. <laughs> books. And when I go back through them, they've all got that in there at the beginning. Because that, you know, chicken wire and all of that and sort of using yeah. rose rolls and grids. It's all in there. It's just re-educating yourself and, and clients really to what's, what's possible. It is, isn't it? It's, there's a lot of re-educating yourself. Yeah. as a florist and I think you just have to have the confidence to tell people that, oh no I'm not gonna no, that, that can't be done why not try this instead exactly and I look back at things that we've made and think do you know what? that would have actually been better you know years ago there's things that would have been better had we made it without phone mm. one of my biggest jobs we've ever done was flowers at St Paul's Cathedral for the September 11th memorials so we did all the flowers for that and we had this 15 foot plus tower of flowers at the side of the altar um, and that would have been a lot easier and a lot less weight to try and carry in with a lot of restrictions for what you can and can't do had we not had blocks of foam strapped to it. You know, Blimey. yeah, it was like 
hanging baskets attached to a pole and then sort of filled it with foam. And if we just used moss or chicken wire, it would have been an easier task. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love it that it's changing. And I feel sad that, you know, when you say you first go to the market and there were boxes and boxes of all this yeah. British stuff stacked up, I kind of feel sad because a lot of those businesses that must not be not must not exist anymore. No, I think that's the thing. I think a lot of the growers, I think because they didn't get top price for it. I mean, had they been around now, it would be different and they could demand a premium for it. But then they were just earning a real pittance for, I mean, you grow, so you know how much yeah. work is in that kind of the whole process from sort of going out and checking your seeds and seeing them pop through and, you know, sort of maintaining them. Um, but there's loads and they, their families don't want to take on the businesses. You know, they've got sort of retirement age, things like that. And then they haven't got anyone that wants to carry on. This yeah. to be a fantastic stock grower. That stocks were just ginormous. And he was the only one that had anything like that. There was nobody else that grew anything near, near what he did, but there's no one to take it on. And it just stops, just gone. Oh, that's so sad you know the, the space of where it was and the sort of the plant base and just the knowledge has gone which is sad but I think it's there definitely seems to be more and more the more you look especially on the flowers and the, there's more growers adding all the time there are aren't there but but like me you know you get a small patch of land because anything bigger than small is a fortune because developers buy it so it's um and we're all I suppose what you'd call like artisan growers because we grow a little bit of this a little bit of that whereas having you know a whole field of stocks a whole field of corn it was just that was what I'm growing and that's it um yeah they used to sort of it was cheaper for them almost to buy in Dutch and resell rather than to grow and sell their own which yeah. is, you know, it's not a, it's not a good, not a good place to be if that's your, your, your business. But yeah, oh. it's coming back. I just, it's yeah, it's going to be slow, isn't it? Because I don't think our government are ever going to put the investment in that the no. Dutch government did. But maybe with this, uh, you know, this climate meeting that's going on, there's got to be something good about um, Brexit as well, hasn't there? That we're sort of looking more to what we can get from home rather than where yeah. it's coming from. You know, I think we couldn't survive without imported flowers. And I think it's important that we keep a healthy balance of the two. Yeah. You know, but imported flowers the past few weeks hmm. or few months have been extortionate. Oh, I've had some, had some weddings where I've literally been almost, you know, brought to tears thinking, I promised this bride pale blue delphinium all the way up the staircase. And they're costing six pounds a stem and I should be paying a pound. And it's what am I going to do? And, you know. It's, yeah. you can't budget for that and you can't and you know I, I will deliver on my promises you'll get what you you know what you came for yeah you sort of think I'm doing it and I'm thinking oh, I'm really earning any money but <laughs> you might even be paying them <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's it's a sort of balancing act isn't it it's what you can use and, and swap in but there really wasn't for a few months back there really wasn't anything you could get that was of a reasonable price that you could kind of add in to bulk up what yeah. you were doing it became a real it was hours spent actually trolling sort of various sites and comparing prices and things just seeing if there was anything that was not going to break the bank oh yeah. my goodness so I had to do my brother's wedding last weekend and it was amazing and I loved it but thank yeah. god I had a field full of flowers because there were certain roses they wanted and so I had to order those in and that's perfect but that was all of their budget and it was and their budget was meant to go you know much further and thank god I had that field full of stuff because I don't know how we would have done it otherwise they would have basically got bouquets and that's it 
I think so. I think it's, it's made me kind of rethink my, um, not necessarily my pricing uh, for next year, but just kind of adding in a clause of there may be some changes if not, mm. because to be caught in that situation again is not to work that hard all through the summer and think I've not really earned yeah. margins that I should be earning for, for that particular job. As I say, I, if, if that's what I've told someone they're getting, that's what they're getting. And you sort of yeah. Go back to listen to our previous episode. I think it's just, it's the last episode we put out with Charlie from the Flower Fairies because yes. she has the most amazing way of of wording her, her terms and conditions. Whereas yeah. they don't pay the final bill; they she can't promise on prices. Yeah. I don't even, I can't even remember how she words it, but it's all to do with market prices. Yeah, and that she said that has saved her bacon. And I think yeah. everyone needs to go back and listen, take note, yeah. listen again. <laughs> everyone you know and for the wholesalers and I know that's people I've been buying from for years and years and they're kind of embarrassed when they have to sort of give me the the total and I know that they're taking off off of their margins so mm. it's less painful for me but it's still you know everyone's losing out then aren't they it's just it's just yeah but again I think it's it's quite a unique situation this year we've got the whole world suddenly decided oh we can get married let's do it and yeah and the price has just gone yeah, I think it's something to be aware of, definitely, not to mm. get caught out. Because you put a lot of a lot of background work into a wedding. Oh, there is so much. You don't count for sitting, writing quotes and drawing sketches and, you know, getting all your mechanics ready and all of that. There's, there's hours of prep that really, yeah. yeah. And add on a few hours just having little panics or waking <laughs> up in the middle of the night because you've had a new idea or you forgot exactly. to order something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it all, it's all sort of part of the process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so what's coming up next for Pesh Flowers? Are you happy with how your business, the, the, where you've got to now? Are you happy with how it fits with your life or have you got grand plans? No, I, I am, to be honest. I, I, I think if I was going to push for more, it would have been years ago. I think I'm just, I'm content now enjoying what I'm doing and the sort of style of floristry that I like and using the sort mm. of flowers that I like, um, but still having a good, good balance with home because I think that was what was lacking before you know, getting up five five days a week to go to the flower market, getting home at sort of 6.30 and then having two boys to look after was a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think the, the balance is definitely better. Um, yeah, I think there's always things you can improve and, and do better. Um, so I think that's the next, um, I guess for me, the technology side, like you say, having, not having the websites when you started, that's something that I know that I literally leave mm until I have no choice but to deal with it because I just feel like it's not really my field. Yeah. Um, just sort of finding the right people to, to guide you through that, that process. But no, I feel, I feel sort of confident. There's the, a lot of inquiries for even 2023. So I feel like the, 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 the business is there. It's just maintaining. Yeah. And I'm not striving to sort of be, you know, multi, well, it's never going to happen, is it? No. <laughs> no yeah. I'm, not, I'm not striving to kind of, um, I mean, this year was, was intense. It sort of showed yeah. me that working at that pace for, for that prolonged period of time is too much. It's just, mm. it takes the, the sort of the fun element out of it. And I think I really love what I do. Uh, we have to love what we do, don't we? Like you say, getting up early and, and missing time with family. If you didn't love it, you wouldn't do it. Exactly. When you're kind of bouncing from one wedding and then sort of, you know, I did my stepdaughter's wedding in September and I had a wedding the next day in Hackney. So I had to get up. I had to literally cut, I said, all family members, make sure you don't see them with a drink in my hand after 10 p.m. 
because I had to get up at five to drive from Surrey to there to get that all made and delivered. So yeah, that's that's not a fun, fun yeah. way to be. So you couldn't maintain that all the time. So I'm quite happy to just sort of give myself breathing space between projects. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I'm so pleased that you're using so much British. I'm so glad that you didn't just walk away from the shop because your style is beautiful. It's so lovely. Yeah, it was, it was a big gamble, but it seems to have really paid off. You know, we've, yeah. we've lost a, a, a section of client base, but our kind of loyal customers and just, I think just the the contacts that we've had over the years. Yeah. Really helped sort of keep the business going. Yeah, it's Brilliant. Good. Thank you so much, Elaine, um, for chatting with Jess today. I am so upset that I wasn't there to chat with you too. Um, if you would like to find out more about Elaine's business, Pesh Flowers, then please head over to www.peshflowers.co.uk or pop on over to Elaine's Instagram to show us some love, at Pesh Flowers. We'll be back next week um, with more flowery chats and keep your fingers crossed that I'm actually available for that one. Um, otherwise, I think Jess is going to, uh, you know, give me a right telling off. So until next week, take care.